Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Brett Rosenthal. This is our week in review. Thanks for joining me. We're going to talk about day trading, swing trading, and investing following the Armor Investing Way, which is basically what I do to manage my own personal capital. Okay, so the process here is to use algorithms to help drive our risk decision. We use those algorithms for day trading, swing trading, and for investing. So we're going to talk about the information flow from the Armour Report and then how to use that information. All right, so let's do this like cause and effect. Here's the information. Here's how we're going to use it. Um, please remember, this is how I run my own personal capital. I started the Armour Report really as um, really for fun. I enjoy talking to you guys. And I said, what the heck? I'm going to share with you what I do as I manage my own personal assets so you can learn from my mistakes, you can learn from my successes, and we can build net worth together. And it all starts with managing risk. And I think the, the average um, individual investor who's trying to run their own capital is, is directed by most investment gurus right, to figure out how to make as much money as possible, right? So first of all, I don't consider myself a guru. I'm sharing with you my own journey of how I run my own money. If it works for you, that's great. Uh, Pick up whatever you can from this process to try to make yourself a better steward of your own capital. That's that's what we're trying to do here every day at the Armour Report. So um, without further ado, I'm going to talk to you about, you know, a a trade that works for us almost every single week. I'm going to show you step-by-step how we trade the indexes every Friday. Okay? There's this rip opportunity every Friday. We did it yesterday. I'm going to show you the steps. And then when you see it each Friday, you can do it on your own. Then we're going to switch, switch over to the bigger picture view of the stock market. This is a bear market. Now, you can call it whatever you want, okay? And I know there's always a lot of debate. Oh, is it a correction, a bear market? Whatever. I'm using the term bear market. For right now, risk is high. Protecting capital is key. So we're going to go over what's happening today, and we're going to look at 2018 and 2015, two prior periods where the Fed was tapering, and how the market behaved. So you can see where we are um, in the process of a market that's going through a correction. And that'll help us figure out what to do next week. And then I'm going to share with you just some thoughts from an investing point of view. There's five stocks. I'm going to show you all five of them. They all have one thing in common, and they all look like they can be invested in right now, some of which we already own at the Armour Report, and I'll share with you which ones. All right? So at the end of all that, I'll do a Q&A as always, and we'll rip through whatever questions you guys have. So um, without further ado, don't forget, this is... My journey, you guys got to figure out your own risk tolerance, your own goals, make your own decisions. Even if I'm buying these stocks, doesn't mean you should be without doing your own due diligence. Don't forget that. You can always subscribe to the YouTube channel right down here. You can subscribe to the Armour Report if you wish. Okay? Um, so let's start. Let's dive in first with a, um, a discussion of how to make money day trading the indexes. There's many different ways to day trade. I'm sharing with you the day trading process that works for us on our trading desk. 
and that we share with Armour subscribers every day. We share our screen all day long. When we get these setups, we all trade together. I'm going to show you step by step what happened Friday and how you can do this on your own uh, each Friday if you can recognize what's happening. So um, just a quick reminder, here's the Armour report, okay? If, for subscribers, you can always click on here, subscribers. You guys can go to the Armour Insider um, part of the website. Of course, these files we update every day. But down here, when we have um, – When we have, um, what I do is I share with you fundamental research ideas, chart diagrams, and those types of things. And so when that's happening, so I'm going to go over this trade with you right now on the S&P. And then you're going to see on that part of the website when I'm done today, you'll see it pop up. You can go right there and see step-by-step step what it looks like. You can print the charts up and put them above your desk. So when you get to this on Friday, you can look at it and say, hey, is this happening again? If it is, Let's put the trade on, right? So let's walk right through it real quick. Um, you're going to be looking at a chart here of th – these are really the four tiles that are most important for us. So you're looking at three-minute bar charts. That's one thing you might want to jot down. I wanted to share this thought with you real quick. Um, fun, there's, a, there's a lot of guys barking at you on, on YouTube or wherever – telling you about indicators and all these things. So let me just share some experience from over 30 years of doing this with you. If everybody's looking at the same indicator, the indicator loses value because everybody's doing it. So what eventually happens, like the natural progression of the wonderful indicator, is that it works really well at the beginning. Then everyone starts talking about it and doing it, so it works even better until you get to that point where everybody's doing it. So people start front running it or they start spoofing it, right? So it starts happening before or they, they get it to happen and they go the other way, right? It's just, it's just a natural progression of things. So the armor report algorithms we use are a combination. We're on TradeStation, so you can do this on TradeStation. You can do this with any service you're using. I like TradeStation, okay? The algorithms we're using and I suggest you try to work this into your own process if you're trying to build your own um, trading strategy on TradeStation or anywhere else, is to make sure you're using many different indicators and looking for confluence across them all. So I know people love the MACD. I'm going to tell you right now, the moving average convergence divergence, which I think is great and I used to use like 20 years ago, just isn't effective for the way I trade. I can't just look at the MACD and say, well, the MACD is turning. Let's go buy. If it was that simple, I mean, I wouldn't be doing this. Nobody would be on it. We'd be all be making a fortune just buying the MACD when it turns. Okay. So what you want to do, first of all, I don't use the MACD because everybody uses it, right? So I, I like to look at all the different indicators. I've pulled out the ones that really work for me. And then we go in there and change the, you know, the out, our own algorithms to take those basic indicators, and then infuse volatility components, top day, multi-day, because it changes them dramatically, makes them much more effective. But at the very least, let's say you're not a person who writes code, you don't want to go through that. You want, to, you want to look at a number of different indicators, and what you're trying to do is find confluence. When they all say the same thing at the same time, your probability of success goes up. All right? So 
having said all that, let's just go look at these uh, charts again real quick. There's, there's no indicators on these charts. Right? No, they don't see stochastics or anything like that. What we're looking for, in this case, are three-minute bar charts. Now, I'm going to give you the secret. It's a three-minute bar chart. This is what works for us. Not five, not 10, not 15, not 30, not 60. Three minutes. I think three minutes really works because most people don't use three minutes. And if everybody starts using three minutes, I'll probably end up doing two minutes or four minutes. It's just what you want to try to do is avoid staring at the same chart that everybody in the world is staring at. Right? You might say, well, why are you telling us three minutes now? We're all going to use it. But <laughs> it's not big enough. I'm not that big. You're not, it doesn't matter. right? But at some point, if it was on CNBC and everyone's talking about the three-minute bar chart, I'm going to go on to something else because it probably won't be effective anymore. Okay? So three-minute bar charts. The, the blue are, are positive bars. The red are negative bars, right? Magenta is a negative bar. Okay? All the lines on the chart are part of the Armor Price Movement Profiler, which is the algorithm we use to help us really – the PMP is about creating goalposts so we know where to look for trades. So whatever tool you're using, the purple dashed lines on these charts are spot gamma lines. So I think options gamma is very important. So we figure out the goalposts. What we're really looking for with these lines is movement down to a line and then a trigger that gets us long or a movement up to a line that gets with a trigger that gets a short. Okay, that's really all that's really all you have to do. It's not it's not that it's not that hard, although it seems like it's real hard. Okay, so what you're gonna see on on this, this is a Friday rip, okay? This happens almost every Friday, particularly in a bear market. So when you get weakness during the week, aggressive selling, wild volatility. You're going to have puts that are in the money, and the put owners don't want to hold those puts over the weekend. So what they do is dump their puts on Friday, which gets the dealers to go buy the underline. And that drives the market up on Friday. I'm going to show you in a minute. It's happened, I think, on three of the last five Fridays. We're going to go over each one so you can see what I'm saying. But for right now, let's just go over this step-by-step step how we do it. All right? So first thing, the market opens right here. Okay, you're looking at volume weighted average price. The lines above and below are Fibonacci extensions, above and below an opening range. The black dots are VWAP. Three lines above and below are standard deviations above and below the VWAP. Okay, average true range is right here. ATR, average true range, above and below, right? And then, of course, some moving averages I use. So the first thing we say is this is, a, this is the key. Step one, step one. I don't like to get long until the market has gone down for at least an hour. So I'm not chasing the market move in the morning. I don't care if it's going straight up in the first half hour. I don't trade. I'm waiting for weakness. And then we want to, we want to buy that weakness for mean reversion or the rip all the way to the close. Okay. So what happened here is market opens and actually goes up right away. So there's nothing to do in the morning. This is the S&P here. This is the NASDAQ here. This is the small cap index. And this is VIX. I want to share with you how we use VIX to really um, supercharge our trading. All right. So what we get here is at 1030, the market uh, has a big down bar back below VWAP. 
And as I'm sharing this with Armor Insiders as we trade on the live trading desk, I say, here's the start of the hour-long sell-off. And what I really love, on top of volume-weighted average price, is time-weighted average price. TWAPs are incredibly important. So when I see a footprint of action on the hour and on the half hour, then I really start to lick my chops. I know it's coming. It's a mechanical move. So what you see here is we, we talked about it on the trading desk. So boom, there it is. We just started the selling. So we're not going to be buying anything until 1130. It needs at least an hour of selling before we get interested. And at this particular day, this trade worked so well. It was amazing. But in, in reality, it, it's, not so, it's not so amazing. It's just that we have the tools. We share the tools in the live trading desk. We say this, this is a part of the Armor Day Trading Playbook. That's on the website. You can find every single trade that we do mapped out, step one, two, and three, and what it looks like each day. And so our goal is to identify the play as soon as we can each day. And then when we see it, execute. It doesn't mean you make money all the time, right? That, that's a guarantee. So we have to have the right stop, put a trade on with a stop so the risk is minimal, but the reward is significant if you get the trade right. So that's why I'm putting together this, this really this armor day trading playbook for all of you. So right now what I'm doing is building it on the website until we've got all the plays that I think I could possibly chart for you, diagram for you, right? And then I'm going to move it into a PDF and all the subscribers, I'm going to send it to you, anybody who wants it. Here's the PDF. Here's the playbook. You can print out the charts, put them above your desk. And when you see it happen, execute, all right? So anyway, hour-long sell-up. So okay, here it is. We're not going to do anything until 11.30. As it happens, the trigger for us occurred at 11.30. And that's the green box right here. So step two. We have five different triggers we use. This is one of the triggers. So I said, okay, guys, here's the trade. Now, this is the key. The stop on this trade was the low of the bar we were buying. And we bought the S&P and we bought the NASDAQ at the exact same time. The NASDAQ was even an easier trade from, from my point of view because it also made a double bottom at this orange line right here, which is the armor moving average. So I'm always going to trade that. A double bottom at the armor moving average is just one of my favorite plays out of the playbook. So it makes a double bottom and it gives us the trigger bar right there. We get long. Okay. And then we literally ride the stock up to the first target, which is spot gamma location. We're always going to book some profits at the spot gamma location. In this case, we booked about 25% of our gains there. And then we rode the rest of the position right to this bar here where we exited hundred percent of the position and, and booked all of our gains before this collapsed down to the VWAP. Now, you might say that it's hard to believe that, but uh, you can ask, there's Armor Insiders watching this video. They'll tell you they were there, they were part of it. We bought literally right off the low and we sold right at the top. The reason we did that, and this is some of our selling technique that I'm sharing with you, okay? When I'm on a trade all day and I'm making money all day in that trade and it gets to 345, the last 15 minutes of the trading session, is a total crapshoot. So I'm looking for any excuse to get out because there's 50% probability that the asset's going to collapse back to the VWAP by the end of the day, or it might go higher. 
All right. So what you see here is an absolute collapse right back to the VWAP on the S&P. And the break here, the reason this is the trigger to exit, is we're above the armor ATR high of the day, and we go back below it. That's the exit trigger. Book your game. Don't be greedy. Day's over. Same thing happened here with the NASDAQ. It didn't quite get down to the VWAP, but it sold off with the S&P. Now, we also added, so that I wanted to share with you on the, S, the small caps here. This was a secondary trade. Once we started making money in the S&P and we started making money in the NASDAQ, we added the small cap trade right here. So there's a, there was a secondary entry point. You could have doubled your position on the S&P and the NASDAQ if you wanted, but I decided that, you know, stretch out and, and own the third index I like to trade, and that's the small caps. So when it popped back above the VWAP, here's the original buy point. I didn't take it. I was doing the two big guys to see if I was going to make money. Once we were making money and it pulled back and recovered, pops back above the VWAP, that's the next trigger, same exact execution, all the way up to this spot gamma location, which happens to equal that armor ATR high of the day, and we're out on the same bar. Okay? So that's how you day trade the indexes, particularly on a Friday. And let's go look at the last couple of Fridays, because I want to show you how this works. It's pretty neat. All right? So now we're just going to look at this chart right here. The, the, the white boxes are Fridays. Okay, so this is the Friday that we just traded. This is the previous Friday. Look at the rip the previous Friday. If you don't get these rips, it's simply because you're, you're not executing correctly. You're not willing to put the trade on for whatever reason. You got to get over that. You just have to execute every time you see it. So that was that Friday's rip. So now let's go over here. I just wanted to share this with you because obviously it doesn't work every Friday. So here is a different Friday. The market cratered on Thursday, imploded on Friday. At 10.30, we get the risk on entry point. There was a trade there, right? It rallied right up here, and you would exit. First of all, it goes above the ATR right here. So the ATR is telling you something's wrong with that day because the ATR is just cratering, okay? This is an armor ATR. We take a regular average true range high of the day, and we infuse volatility into it, top day and multi-day which is what brings this line down so aggressively and tells you there's something wrong with this day. But there's still a trade there, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of capture there. And for those of you who are aggressive, when you get stopped out of this long trade, you could put a short trade on and enjoy the, you know, the collapse to the end of the day. I'm going to show you there's another day like that right here. So there was two Fridays. One Friday, you can make money long, book your profit, you're done. This Friday was straight selling. That's so rare, right? It was a gap up morning. And that's the, that's the key. The, the Friday trades that really work are trades that sell off in the morning and then turn. What you're getting is the sell off and the guys who own the puts say, that's enough, I've made money, and they start dumping their puts and you get that rip higher. The gap up in the morning doesn't create that, right? And then when it starts breaking down, you have something totally different. So I would have put on a trade right here. All right? It pops up to the VWAP and fails. Now, the key is on days where we're making money, we, the market never challenges the stop. I mean, ever. You saw what happened Friday, yesterday. It just goes straight up. So when the stop gets challenged, you either, A, get your capital out and protect. You don't have to go short. But, B, 
it happens so infrequently that when it does, it's telling you it's a time to short the market. And you can see the market imploded on this day. Okay? So, to wrap up, just i got to move on so we can talk about other issues. Um, those are my thoughts on day trading. I hope you find them helpful. Consider subscribing if you want to be part of this. We do it every, every day on the live trading desk. We're looking for these plays. When we see them, step one, two, and three, we put the trades on, stop our loss quick to protect capital, capture the upside you know, if we can. So we basically extract it about, you know, depending on how big your position size is, you could extract it at least 1%. I mean, the whole portfolio up 1%. On a day trade Friday, just trading the S&P, the NASDAQ, and the small cap index. And you take that profit off the table. And the market closes lower. That's a part of how we run money at the Armour Report. My own personal capital. I have a day trading pool, swing trading pool, investing pool. That different style of management is what creates a diversification and the protection of our principal. Okay? So, let's move on to the second step there. Swing trading the indexes. Where are we in this bear market and how close are we to a market turn? Okay, so let's take a look. We're going to look at the S&P. You can look at any index. We're going to look at the S&P. Okay. Right here is the beginning of the market sell-off. And I put this white box in because this is the first support at the 200-day moving average. After breaking a major uptrend, the S&P finds its first support at the 200-day, and bounces. Is that a normal thing? Let's go look at previous sell-offs. All right, this is a pandemic sell-off. So even the pandemic sell-off stops at the 200-day at the and bounces for a couple of days. It's totally normal. Of course, it collapsed. That's a pandemic. So we're not going to spend too much time looking at a pandemic. But let's look at the last time that the Fed was tapering. It's going to tell us a lot about where we are now. The market sold off, broke down from its uptrend, bounced, right, sold off again, and had a nice rally, right? This rally went for almost two weeks. Reversal, rally, and then the next week went even higher. And in this particular case, this is 2018 now, it was breaking above the 50-day moving average. You might want to buy that. Oh, my God, the whole selling's over. It's over. Let's buy the market. That's usually the, the, the experience, the the um, desire of the market at the beginning of a sell-off. The desire is to immediately buy the dip because you've been taught to buy the dip for the last X amount of months, or in this case, a couple of years, because the Fed was buying the market. If the Fed's buying the dip, you can buy the dip. If the Fed is selling the rip, which is a taper, then you can't buy the dip. And that's what this shows you. So people don't learn that right at the beginning. They try to race after it again. God, they hate to miss it. Oh, I don't want to miss this, right? Sets up a double bottom. Tries it again with a major gap up above the 50-day. That was a real, I mean, that was a real bull trap if I've ever seen one. And actually, I remember trading this, and I remember getting long here and getting trapped in that. But I, I had to exit the very next day. Okay, so... What we want to do when we put swing trades in our portfolio, when we change the risk monitor from green from red to green, you say, okay, let's put some money to work. We're trying to put money to work when the probabilities are at their highest that we can continue to make money and rewards worth the risk. 
So the first move off the bottom doesn't work for me. None of our algorithms, the armor algos that create that risk monitor response, there's no confluence. I've been telling you that for a couple of weeks, right? And so the market's trying to rally and I can't put any money to work because there's just nothing there. On that double bottom in 2018, we got the risk on entry point. Market went up for a couple of days, had that gap out, and I thought, yeah, we're, we're going to kill it. And the very next day it imploded, and we had to get out of everything, which was around the break-even trade for us. You can see um, on this particular, this three-bar reversal right here is what got us long the market. So that went up for a couple of days and just imploded, and we had to take, the, take it off because we raised our stop to break-even at that point, and we ended up getting out around break-even, and the market just imploded. The market didn't start to go up again until the Fed stopped tapering. All right? So let's go look at 2015. There's 2015. Probably had this set up here. Let me, let me get it to go a little further back so we can see 2015. Just so you can see a couple of these Fed tapering events and how it affected the market. Okay, here it is. All right, wild volatility. Another double bottom in 2015 that ended up leading to a huge rally. So this is why if we get the double bottom and the risk on green buy signal on the armor algos, we're going to get long because there could be a great swing trade for a week and a half, two weeks. We're going to try to capture that. But where we are right now in the market, if you look at you know, this type of a, if you, if you use this as a guide, you know, we're somewhere here. I'll make it white. Whoops. Okay. We're somewhere here, the initial collapse and the initial attempt to rally. So what we're looking for is a pullback that sets up a double bottom. And I'm telling you, I'm probably going to buy the double bottom because these are just guides, 2015, 2018. There's no guarantee. It's not going to be an um, exact replica, right? It's going to rhyme, not repeat. And we never know what the Fed's going to say. If we get a double bottom set up and we get risk monitor green, I'm going to put money to work. You know Why? Because the Fed could say at the next meeting, we've decided not to taper. And the market will go through the roof, and that'll be the entry point. So we have to execute. Do I think the Fed will do that? Of course not. I think the Fed's raising rates, the Fed's going to taper. But the point is, we don't know what the Fed's going to do. So when we see these setups where the probabilities are high and the risk is minimal, we know what the stop is, the reward's significant, you've got to put money to work. We're not there yet. Okay? So... Um, let's go look at where we are now today and just take a peek at the S&P. Okay. Where are we in the S&P right now? Something like this. Okay. So this is the first collapse down, the first bounce up. We don't know how it's going to express itself. It could have another couple of up days. It could make a jagged top and then come down. It could come straight down next week at some point. I would, I would expect a double bottom to set up. If we get a risk monitor green, we'll trade it. If we don't, we won't. I'll let you guys know every weekend 
we have these meetings, you and I, and we'll share the information. Armor Insiders are going to get that information as it's happening. We'll be on the desk together. We'll say, okay, here we go. We're putting money to work. Okay? All right. So let me wrap up real quick with um, five stocks. All have the same thing in common. It looked like, from a fundamental standpoint, each of them are the same story. And it's a fundamental story that I would suggest when we're done here today, you start doing research on it. So I want to share it with you. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm running my own money. I've started to buy these stocks. This is the information I want to share with you. And then what you want to do is go do your own due diligence to make sure it fits your risk profile. It's something you want to do. Okay? What I want to share with you, I'm just going to show you the five stocks, and then we're going to talk about what they all do at the same And You'll probably figure it out as we go. First thing we're going to do is make this a little quicker. We're going to bring this down to three, three years. All right. Here are the five stocks. Helmerich and Payne. Okay. Transocean. RIG. R-I-G. The first one's HP. You want to grab a pen and a piece of paper? You can write this down. HP. RIG. R-I-G. Precision drilling. PDS. Patterson. P-T-E-N, and Neighbors. Okay? We are in the midst, I believe. Now, this is fundamental research. This is not about trading. It's not about day trading or swing trading. This is just fundamental research. I take these theories, because that's what fundamental research is. It's a theory. You put it up on your whiteboard and you start doing research to poke holes in the theory. If you can't poke any holes in the theory and you start making money in this space, then you know you're right and you step on the gas. Okay? Twenty twenty two, I believe, when we look back, is going to be the beginning of a commodity super cycle. Energy prices are going to lead that charge. At the Armour Report, we're already long things like Exxon, which we bought right in the green box here. It's skyrocketing. We're already long um, pipelines like Williams and Company. We bought it right here at the green box right? Collecting a 7% yield as the stock goes up. Okay. We're long the E&P companies right in and around here. I should be long down here and I'm not. So I added them up here. Okay. So what's happening is we're making money in the energy sector. And I've been doing this over 30 years. I've seen these cycles before. If it plays out even remotely in the same way, the drilling stocks 
are going to add massive alpha to a portfolio if they're bought correctly. They're usually the laggard in the group. They're not the first ones to go up. But when the group move is underway, if it's real, they catch up in a hurry and they make a lot of money. So let me go over it with you step-by-step what this approach is. So HP, RIG, Neighbors, Patterson, Precision, they're all drilling stocks. They've been through a horrific bear market, culminating really in the pandemic where everything shut down, nobody was drilling. Drilling rigs get mothballed, put in warehouses, decommissioned. Day rates collapse. And they're just in a badlands for a long time. What we look for as investors, the first signs of life for the drilling stocks, is what they get to charge per day for their rig. You watch day rates. And when they start to tick up, you listen to conference calls with the management team. Go listen to the most recent HP conference call. They'll tell you. Go listen to the last conference call. It's even more interesting. Two quarters ago. Because the CEO said, this is about to happen. And then this most recent call, he says, hey, it's happening. So now you can start to trust the CEO. He's not lying to you. He's telling you what's happening. He's giving you good information off of those calls. I got into the business professionally, I don't know, um, 1993. You know, I've been doing it my whole life. My dad and I have been working together for decades. I, I learned from him you know, when it comes to a fundamental point of view, all this stuff I learned from my pop. He used to tell investing stories around the dinner table when I was five. You know? so, um, so I remember in 93, 94, somewhere around there, when I first got into the business, was the beginning of a major move up in the energy stocks. At the time, the reason for that is that the U.S. government opened up the leasing of um, um, of land, particularly the Gulf of Mexico. And when they opened up the leasing, so they, the U.S. government leased a whole bunch of land, it created a massive demand for rigs to go explore, right? We got on a company called Reading and Base. The stock was six. Management came to our office. We sat down. This is before the internet, before you could go online and listen to a conference call. You had to literally meet these people, right? So we were working in New York City. Everybody comes to New York at least a couple times a year back then, probably still today. And um, at the time, um, we were managing a you know, fairly significant business uh, at Lehman Brothers, so we carried some weight. We got on the phone and said, look, I want you to come meet with us. My dad was managing that business. I'd just gotten into it. So I was just learning, right? They came to our office, they, and they just laid out the process for us that I'm about to lay out for you about what's happening right now. So these energy plays, they're, they're, they're cyclical, right? I mean, they, they, there's the booms and the busts, and the booms and the busts. It happens over and over again. Back then, it was a whole bunch of leasing of federal property to create more drilling 
And I remember the, the, I think it was the CEO of the company, Ray Bates, pretty sure it was. He, he came in and he said, guys, this is what's happening to day rates. It started, and what you want to do is own the stock before the rest of the street gets on to the fact that these day rates are about to go through the roof. And he explained to us why and about the leasing. All right. So let's fast forward. The stock was six. It got taken over, I think, $42 a share about 12 months later. So it was acquired by, I don't know who, maybe it was Helmut and Penn. I don't know. I don't remember. So it was a huge run. It always stuck in my mind. So what's happening now? And by the way, that cycle is repeated many times in my 30-year career. And I think that we're at the beginning of that again in the drilling stocks. Totally suppressed because of a pandemic and a political environment that pretends that we don't need fossil fuels anymore. That's created an absolute vacuum of exploration so that the bust on these drilling stocks has been unreal. And I say pretend. It's a wonderful goal to not need hydrocarbons, but there's no way that that's true right now. It's probably not true for the next, I don't know, couple of decades. All right? So even as we're moving towards this, this perfect world of never burning fossil fuels, um, what's happened is there was just a crush of exploration. And now people realize, God, we really need it. We don't have enough of it. Right? So all of a sudden, the demand for energy is going like this. And so what we see first are the EMP companies. They go up. The Exxons, the Chevrons, their stocks are going through the roof. Take a look at what Chevron's doing. Take a look at what Exxon's doing. Those stocks don't normally move like that. That's institutional money coming into Exxon and Chevron. It starts there. Those are the easiest names to buy first, right? They make these big bases, and then they skyrocket. And these things are paying you know, enormous yields. When we bought Exxon, we were picking up a 5.5% yield. It's rare to see Exxon skyrocket like that. Okay, And then what you do is you move over to the smaller E&P guys, and they start going berserk, Continental, EOG. I mean, these stocks are skyrocketing. And then you go look at HP. Well, it hasn't moved yet. It hasn't moved yet. Rig. It hasn't moved yet. Neighbors. It hasn't gone anywhere yet. Okay, we're at the start of the drilling super cycle. It starts with day rates that go through the roof. Okay, the guy who has the most rigs in warehouses that can be recommissioned and capture that increase in the day rates is the, is the stock that usually does the best. And HP is my choice for that. Every single cycle, HP is the best. Past cycles, I've missed it, and I say to myself, I'm not missing it the next time. When this thing starts to go, it'll be like a 45-degree angle, just like this. Somebody asked me, how do we know when the cycle's over? There's two ways to know. Day rates will keep going up. But this is like the only way you need to think about it. Day rates will go up, go up, go up, go up, go up. And at some point, you'll start to read about new rigs being built. In other words, all the rigs are out of the warehouse. They've all been recommissioned. 
and there's a desire for more, so they start building new rigs. That's it. That's it. They've just topped. The stocks will be in the process of topping at that point. Could be a year. Could be two years away. Depends on how long this whole thing lasts. So those are my thoughts for you today on uh, my five favorite stocks to look at. I'm buying HP and Rig. Those are my two favorites. I like to say HP is the horse and Rig is the little goat that hangs out with the horse in the stable. You're like they're best friends, you know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna own those two guys. You can own the other ones. That I mean, you can you can own an ETF of the group. However you want to do it. But whatever you do, make sure you do your own due diligence, do your own research, make sure it fits your risk tolerance. I'm more than happy to get to Q&A now. Um, we can talk about cannabis if you want. We can talk about uh, precious metals if you want. Um, but let's just dive into the Q&A, and, and you know, I'm sure you guys will be asking me about, um, about all those things. So let's see. Any questions you guys have, feel free to load up the box, and we'll start chatting. I'll see if I can answer anything you got. Deb, good morning. Nice to see you. Anything about Schumer and talk? Okay, say thank you recently. Thanks for all that. Um, happy to help. I'm glad, glad for you to be with me um, for so long, Deb. It's fun to work with you. All right. Um, let's, let's talk about cannabis. I knew you guys would ask the question, and I figured I'd get to Q&A. Deb is the first one with it, all right? What is this, the fifth time that we've seen the Safe Banking Act put into a bill in the House, then it goes to the Senate, then Schumer doesn't do anything about it. I'll believe it when I see it, Deb. But I'll tell you what. Um, investing based on guessing what politicians will do will never make us money. And that's just not a way to invest. I really don't care what Schumer says. I'm not reading tea leaves. Maybe this, maybe he's going to say that. Maybe I, and then in the 11th hour, it doesn't get included because he decides he wants to put another bill up. I mean, forget it. I don't care what politicians say. There's no possible way to know what the stocks are going to do based on what politicians say. This is all I care about when it comes to cannabis. Number one, I haven't forgotten about it. I can't wait to buy it. I follow it every day. I'm waiting for the entry. This is the entry that I'm looking for. Okay, let's go look at MSOS, you can look at any stock you want in the group. I'm just going to look at MSOS. It's the whole group, and so easy way to, um, to, to analyze. Um, so first of all, let's just look at MSOS. We've, we've unwound the entire move. We're back to the original lows here of MSO, MSOS. So that's definitely, number one, a location. I like to apply the same day trading. The rules we use for day trading, I like to apply to investing and swing trading. So we look for weakness to a location. So you have to say this is a definite location to pay attention to because it's a, it's a complete unwind of the rally. So there should be no air left in it. So that's a key location. The next thing I'm looking for is higher lows and higher highs. Okay? Don't don't talk to me about stochastics, MACDs, relative strength indexes. One-off indicators are completely worthless. I can't, I can't say that enough. You can always find an indicator that, that, in retrospect, would have told you the stock was going up. But in reality, it's just not true. So I don't know if you guys are looking at that and there's some, something that looks like it might be turning. 
what we really need is to look at price action. We don't need any of the indicators. What's the price action? And then the indicators confirm the price action. Okay? I'll, get, I'll explain what I mean. But I'm looking for a higher lows and higher highs. So far, we've made lower lows, and we can't make a higher high. So nothing has showed up yet. I see the big volume spike there. That's great. There was a big volume spike here, and it didn't lead to anything but more pain. There was a big volume spike here, and it just sold straight off. So there's a nice volume spike in here, and it just reversed and imploded. So volume spikes don't mean anything at the moment on the way down. We need to see higher lows and higher highs. Okay? This whole thing is not going to be re reversed in a day. I mean, look, if the politicians come out on Monday and say, we decided to legalize cannabis, okay, maybe it'll be up 50%. I can't invest like that. I, mean, I can't invest guessing that, you know, what a politician might do. Unless you want to show me day up, like every day, Nancy Pelosi's portfolio, and if she's like loading up on MSOS calls, like let me know the day she's doing that. Maybe we should go buy some MSOS. You see what I'm saying? But other than that, other than the inside information that senators trade on, um, there's no way to listen to what they're saying and have it mean anything. So higher lows, higher highs. And then when you're getting higher lows and higher highs, we'll get a, sto a stochastic, uh, a, a MACD. I, I like to use the directional movement index. By the way, whenever I use these indicators, I never use what comes pre-programmed. I always change the numbers. So it's not a 14-day stochastic. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, that's what everyone did. Not a 20-day MACD because everybody uses it. So I'm always optimizing them for different market periods to see what's the most effective. But anyway, I digress. We'll get a higher low and higher high, and then we should see a, a confirming higher low, higher high in some of these um, momentum index uh, um, indicators. Boom. And um, we'll get a risk-on entry point using Armour Algos, um, which, of course, is a, is a combination of many different uh, um, momentum indicators, um, all calibrated with volatility, top-day and multi-day, working together. So when we get confluence and we get price action, then we put money to work. So I'm waiting to see that, and I'm not listening to a thing Chuck Schumer has to say. I mean, he said anything that's been true, like in his life. So how can I ever trade on it? You know what I mean? Crypto. Um, great question. Let's go look at crypto. Okay, this is my, one of my favorite ways to look at the mining. You know, these are all the crypto stocks in this ETF. So I could just chart this. Um, possible bottom, right? So we had this move here. Then we had a nice move here. Obviously, it could rally. But at the moment, Phil, we're still in a downtrend. That nothing's changed in crypto right now. Let's go look at ETHE. That's just... You know, look, I'm using these stocks. Obviously, well, I'm using the stocks and the ETFs as a guide for us to chart because it's easy. You know, if I was to start buying Bitcoin, I would go buy the real Bitcoin. But I'm just sharing with you these charts so we can see where we are in the cycle. Okay. So I, I see this little bottoming wedge that everyone's talking about, and it was a nice big up day. All right. It's a huge sell off that's just now challenging the downtrend. I mean, um, Phil, the bottom line is crypto, like, like, like anything else, is a high-risk asset and probably more high-risk than most with wild volatility. So the initial move off the bottom 
doesn't really interest me. If the Fed was adding liquidity, if, if we were in a risk monitor green, positive gamma, you know, everyone's buying things like crazy, maybe you would get an immediate reversal and skyrocket. But we're not in that market right now. That was last year. That was the year before. I think people, the mistake people make is they, is they keep thinking, well, what happened last year is going to work this year. And it just doesn't. They, the years change. Behavior changes. So um, I like the move off the bottom. I'm glad you brought up crypto because anybody who's been following me for the last couple of years, I don't know, maybe you think I disparage crypto because I, 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 um, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But if you look at, at, at ETHE, okay, it's wild volatility. It's come all the way back down to, you know, really um, 2020 levels, right? So the only thing we've missed I've missed by not owning Ether right now in the last couple of years is really some unbelievable swing trading rallies. But at the end of the day, it's just a lot of noise trading, trading around a certain level. But I'm here to tell you that I'm not a crypto hater. I do think crypto should be a part of a portfolio. I could see shaving down some of my precious metals holdings and building up an Ether and Bitcoin position. I don't care about all the other cryptocurrencies. Unless we're in a wild bull market, I don't want to own any of those. All you want are the leaders, Bitcoin and Ether. All right? So I could see doing that. If last week was the beginning of a bottom for Ether and Bitcoin, I would expect a rally and a test and a setup, double bottom, something like that. I can see adding those names to a portfolio. So that's where I am in the process. They've come all the way back down from you know, extreme prices. They're setting up possible bottoms, but this is just the beginning. I don't think it's going to be a skyrocket to new highs. I mean, all these people who just, just you know, pound the table on Bitcoin, it's like if they would just admit that they were wrong and Bitcoin did drop over 50% in a month, then I could listen to them more. But they, they're just constantly talking. Bitcoin's going to be 100,000. Bitcoin's going to be a million in five years. I mean, it, it's just so much noise. It doesn't help people protect capital or, or, or anything. You know, so start with admitting that Bitcoin collapsed and it should have been sold in the 60s. And I'm happy to admit that I missed some great swing trading opportunities in crypto for a couple of years. I, I did. I'm the first to admit it. Okay, but let's start now working together to find a way to own crypto responsibly, put the position on correctly with the right stop. And if we catch the next cycle, wonderful. We'll make money in crypto together. I'm ready to make money with you guys in crypto as soon as it sets up. Not because I'm afraid I'm going to miss it. Not because people scream and holler about how unbelievable it is, but because we follow a strategy. We put positions on when rewards worth risk and the stop makes sense. And then we leave it alone and see if we can make money, like any other asset. Um, too stressful to trade daily. It, 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 you know, it can be stressful um, uh, up, right up until the point where, you, where it's like a matrix moment, like you're seeing through the matrix. That's why I'm putting the playbook together for you guys, so it's not stressful. It's a one, two, three-step process of trading the indexes. It really... It, once you start doing it, it's not that stressful. You put the position on, you know what the stop is. 
the lower the bar you bought. The stock, the, the, the trades that work never challenge that low. So you put the trade on, takes out a low, you get out. Put the trade on and it starts to go up, you make a lot of money. So day trading is not for everybody. And I'm not telling you to do it, my friend. I mean, I, if you feel that way, you should not day trade. But if you have a playbook, you can just reduce the stress and just execute. Stop looking at the P&L. It's not about the P&L. It's executing the strategy every day. And then you look back over your, oh, hey, this thing works. But totally, I get it. You don't have to trade it. I mean, um, when do the refiners run up? Valero. Yeah, yeah. But uh, refiners are a great idea. But um, the refining stocks, uh, that's like Valero. I love Valero. It's funny, Brian, you brought it up. I like Valero, uh, Valero a lot, and I just missed the entry. It was right here. When I was buying Exxon with you guys and um, – um, on the armor report, we were buying Exxon. This is exactly when we should have been buying Valero, and I just didn't put that in the portfolio. So that was my mistake. And I, I don't have an entry point right here, but um, the, the refiners are always a little bit more tricky, though, to me. It's not so simple as following day rates and seeing how it goes, because you got to worry about crack spreads, and and it, it, it changes profitability based on the crack spread and all that kind of stuff. And I just rather not. There's just too many other ways I'd rather make money uh, in, in energy that I find easier. So my first go-to position when I buy energy is pipelines, 7% yields, and the principal goes up when I get it right. I mean, I could put my whole portfolio there and go play golf and go fishing for the next year. The portfolio probably is going to be up 30%, and I'm going to have a 7% yield. I mean, that's the safest and easiest way to do it. But, you know, I own some pipelines. I'll own Exxon, those type of names for dividends. And, you know, I'll own the E&P guys, the best E&P guys. And then I just love the drilling stocks when it, go, it gets going. Because I can see the money being made in the portfolio everywhere else. And then the pipe, and then the drilling comes on. And that, that's just lots of fun. So nothing wrong with Valero. It's just I never invest in the refiners. Let's assume someone has um, very confident the Fed will raise 25 basis points six times this year? Oh, that's a great question. Um, that's a great question. I love that question. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go over the picture again, because maybe we already talked about it, but I'll, I'll just say, if you remember um, 2015 and 2018, the double bottom setup. 2018s didn't work, so it was like a break-even trade. 2015, there was two weeks where we had like a, a screaming swing trade we made money in, even in the midst of the Fed raising rates and tapering. So there can be counter-trend rallies that will turn the risk monitor green. It can happen. By the way, it, it may not happen. I might, I might miss a massive rally. It's totally possible because I look at seven indexes, and I look for confluence across the seven. So sometimes those, those rips off the low only happen in the S&P and the NASDAQ. But the bear market continues to, to beat up the ARC funds and the IBD50 and the momentum stocks. And the, and the value stocks can't get going. So the secondary in, indexes don't confirm that rip. And so it won't change us risk monitor grief. But it might get us yellow. We might see the big four indexes all go positive at once. And so I'll put index money to work 
for a swing trade for a couple weeks, even if the Fed's raising rates. You know, I don't question it. When it happens, I put money to work. If you, not you, but because this is my journey, you got to figure out your own risk tolerance. But if I was to believe six rate hikes all year, taper all year, and I got a risk monitor yellow or a green type of signal because everything's set up at once, I would still put the trade on, but I might put on less. So position size is key this year. Volatility is going to be large until the Fed's done tapering and raising rates. So position size needs to be smaller to deal with the volatility. You can still capture upside. That's my thought there. Super cycle, um, can the commodity super cycle itself get risk margin? No. No. And that's interesting. This is why it's so funny. Um, this, is a good, this is a great question. The Armour Report is 70% invested right now with the risk monitor red. What? I mean, how's that possible? The risk monitor is red. We're 70% invested? It's because that 70% is invested in the commodity super cycle. And commodities don't follow the stock market. Commodities do their own thing based on inflation. So if we believe the Fed has to raise rates six times this year, they're only going to be doing that because inflation is getting hotter and hotter. And the market is saying to the Fed, you're totally missing. You're behind the curve on inflation. If that's the narrative, well, then we're going to make a lot of money in commodity stocks. There's going to be huge alpha there because the big indexes will either be down for the year or just have a kind of an awful kind of wild volatility year. And commodities are going to go like this. So we're 70% long right now, and it's all focused on commodities. Base metals, precious metals, energy. Um, not industrials. Not things that are made with other commodities like steel. I'm not buying steel. The problem right now is input costs are going up faster than finished goods costs. And it's squeezing these companies. This is why steel stocks have suffered. This is why Caterpillar announced earnings and the stock went down. I think Caterpillar is a great story. But right now, their input costs are going through the roof. And, and they can't ship product. They can't increase product prices fast enough. So somewhere later in the cycle, Caterpillar probably works. I love deer, but how can I own deer when I know what's going on? The input cost going like this. So the risk monitor won't turn green because of commodities. It's actually an inverse. Risk monitor red, risk monitor yellow could be a great market for commodities. Now, here's the caveat. I'm 70% long right now, okay? I could be 25% long by the end of next week if the market's imploding because we have stops. Just because I think it's a commodity super cycle, just because I love drillers doesn't mean I won't sell them all next week. I use stop losses to protect myself from myself. When the market sells off hard enough, you get margin calls and the proverbial baby in the bathwater gets thrown out and everything goes down. So, what I would see myself doing is carving the whole portfolio back to just my dividend stocks because I trade dividend stocks differently. I don't trade them. I invest in them. I, I do things different there. I'm collecting yield with that part of my portfolio. That's about 25% of my portfolio. So I might go from 
70% invested, boom, just down to 25 and then hold all that cash and day trade it. Okay. Um, so that's my thought on the commodity super cycle and, and the risk monitor. I like stone energy. I don't know stone energy. I don't know. I mean, all the energy stocks look good to me right now. So we'd have to, we'd have to take a peek at stone. Um, Let's move on. There's something I forgot to tell you about day trading, but I'll save it for another day. Won't energy follow the bear market? Um, well, that's, Muhammad, that's exactly what I was just saying to you. If the bear market gets ugly enough, energy will follow and I'll have to raise cash. But if the, if the bear market is a slower grinding bear market, not a crash, but just a, just a grinding bear market where you get wild volatility, but each month the market closes a little bit lower, what you could get in that market is, is money is looking for a place to hide. And it, and it ends up finding it in the commodity stocks because the whole purpose of what's going on this year is the Fed trying to reduce um, um, inflation, and they can't. You know, so, um, oh, you know what I want to share with you guys? Take a look at these charts right here. The best way to figure out what's going on in um, – the market, too, is the bond market. So I wanted to just go over this real quick with you. Um, where are we in the bear market of the equi equities? Look at bonds. Bonds are making new lows last week. Equities have not made new lows yet. Equities have not made new lows yet. Stocks follow bonds. Equity follows debt. Always. Not necessarily the day of or the week of. But if treasuries continue to break down like this, the NASDAQ triple Qs are going lower. Let's take a look at my favorite LQD, right? Because this is, this is the asset that the, that the Fed was buying, right? So back here during the pandemic, the Fed started buying LQD. Remember that? They came out and they said, we're going to buy an ETF, which they've never done in history. All right, now they have a whole bunch of that in the balance sheet and they're reducing their balance sheet. So you can be sure the first thing they're selling is LQD. And what I shared with you way back here, I said, look, this breakdown on LQD is, is what killed the ARC type of innovative stock investing, right? Then the market recovered, but the ARC stocks never recovered. And now this breakdown is what's going to kill the Qs, and it's been killing the Qs. The Qs had a couple of good weeks. Um, no, excuse me. The Qs rallied last week on the back of all the earnings, you know, craziness. But look at what's happening to LQD, which is investment-grade corporate bonds. It's imploding. That's just not good for the market, guys. And then we look at high yield real quick. Small cap stocks usually follow the high yield stock, uh, high yield bonds. There, there was the the break tried to recover and failed, making new lows. Stocks follow bonds. Let's move on. Hey, I really appreciate um, the comment there on Facebook. Yeah, um, for those of you who don't know, I posted a, back, back here on their last earnings announcement, you know, somewhere back in here, I shared with you all that, um, so thanks for giving me a chance to just say this, Mohammed. for those of you who don't know. Last quarter, 
and you can go watch this video. It's on my YouTube channel. You can see me. It's on. It's like a 37-minute mark of that video. When Mark Zuckerberg came on and spent a half of an hour at the start of the last earnings announcement, not this one, but the last, he spent a half an hour telling you how great the metaverse is, and they're changing the name of the company to Meta. And all of these things, he's just blabbling on, man. He was just like, you couldn't shut him up. I said to you then, Facebook's in big trouble. I've seen it many times in my career. When a company changes direction dramatically to another business, they're telling you something's wrong with their core business. They're playing a game of three-card Monty. They're hoping you don't see the sleight of hand. They're hoping to buy time because they know some bad earnings announcements are coming. And they're hoping that you won't be upset about the bad earnings announcements in their core business because you get so excited about the metaverse. That's what he tried to do. And he's a terrible salesman, okay? It was just so obvious on the last conference call. I said, geez, man, what is this guy doing? And then we see the stock get destroyed as the single largest you know, collapse in market cap in one day for a stock in history because their business is blowing up. Do I believe in the metaverse? Absolutely. Probably takes three to five years to get here. But I love the metaverse. There are metaverse stocks I want to own. I might want to own Facebook when this is all done. If they can turn the ship around, which I don't know if they can. And quite frankly, I'm going to tell you on this call right now, I don't think Mark Zuckerberg can do it. The time I buy Facebook is probably the time when he announced he's stepping down that he's going to be chairman emeritus. And they bring in somebody new to turn the company around. That's the time to buy Facebook. It always is. Think of Microsoft. For a decade, they underperformed. Steve Ballmer couldn't get it done. Came up with idea after idea to tell you, we're going to try this, we're going to try that. They milked the cash cow at Microsoft for a decade. The stock did nothing, and in fact, went down. And the time to buy Microsoft was if Balmer stepped down and Nadella stepped up. We're going to focus on the cloud. The business had already started to boom inside of Microsoft. That was the turn, and Microsoft made for an unbelievable stock. Apple went through the same process. Apple was an unbelievable stock. They forced out the visionary. Remember? Remember the story of Steve Jobs? Forced him out. Right? Then it crashed all the way down to like three bucks. Brought back the visionary. Made him a CEO again. Been one of the greatest stocks ever. So can Facebook recover? Absolutely. They're just at a very painful point right now, which is their core business, which is a cash cow, isn't growing anymore. They're hoping to get on the metaverse wave and ride it for all it's worth over the next 5, 10, 15 years. It's possible they can do it. And I will definitely be buying the stock the day they announce that Zuckerberg's stepping down and someone else is taking over. That's my thought there on Facebook. I wonder where Diamond Hands Jack is. 
<laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have diamond hands. You know, I don't, I, I think that's an, just an absolute joke. It's, it's, it's for suckers. It's, it's people trying to pump up their ideas, their crypto ideas, to pump up whatever idea. And they say, don't sell, have diamond hands. A bear market apparently is a substance stronger than diamond. My thought there. Um, let's take a look at uh, Uber. All right. So first of all, I, I appreciate um, Daresh. I, um, Darsh, I appreciate you um, sharing the earnings um, information. This is not a market for me where I'm buying earnings. And, I mean, quite frankly, to be fair, I almost never buy stocks right in front of earnings just because of earnings. In a wild bull market, you can do it. In 2020, you could buy like um, Zscaler in front of every earnings announcement, and the stock gapped up 30% like every quarter for like, what was it, four quarters? You could do that if the Fed's adding liquidity. And you're at the start of a new bull market. Any other time, I don't, I, I wouldn't buy things just because of earnings. And in this market, stocks are getting destroyed on bad earnings, and maybe they rally on good. Now, I know you're going to say to me, "Well, look at Unity; it had a great quarter, and, and the stock went through the roof." I mean, this is a massive downtrend, and it had a good day. And I love Unity. There's a stock I, I want to own. This is one of my favorite metaverse stocks. I can't wait to own it, but it's got to build a base. You know, I can't wait to own Roblox, but it's got to build a base. I was playing Roblox with my son yesterday. It, it's brilliant the money they can make inside of Roblox. It's sick. My son says to me, hey, Dad, what's Converse? He's, he's, he's eight. It's Converse. What's, um, what was the other name? Converse and um, another shoe company. I can't remember right now. I said, why you ask me? He said, well, look. So in the game he was playing, you could be on the Converse team or whatever the other team was. I can't remember who it is now. Not Adidas or Nike or anything like that. Somebody else. It was just like it's a billboard. Like you don't even know. Next thing you know, your child goes into, you know, a shoe store and says, I want to own Converse. Can I put Converse shoes on? <laughs> it's brilliant. You know, it's, it's just brilliant advertising. I can't wait to own Roblox and I can't wait to own this little stock which is probably the, the company that served up those ads, Super League Gaming, right? But I just can't do these things now in the midst of a market collapse, in the midst of a bear market. So, oh, geez, thanks, Saber. I'm so happy the system's running, too. I, there's nothing worse than an, a, a, a Windows upgrade, which happened yesterday, and then, like, TradeStation can't work. I mean, it's just so annoying. All right, um, any idea... Um, on oil chart, I think it's stretched. Might see a big correction before going higher. I, I never know that oil trades like crazy. Um, what was that comment? I think at the end of the day, Friday, uh, the U.S. is going to lift some sanctions on Iran. That's probably oil related. Oil hits ninety dollars a barrel, and you, and, you know, <laughs> you, you always see sanctions lifted when oil's ninety or a hundred dollars a barrel. Oh, all of a sudden, we're best friends with Iran. Let's. Uh, let's have a kumbaya moment. Um, so more energy will probably come on the market that will cap the flow of 
of, um, of the price for a little while. But when typically when oil runs, when the cat's out of the bag like it is now, it takes, it takes a lot to stop that. So I would never come on here, though, and predict what's going to happen to energy because it's made, it makes fools out of most people most of the time. So all I would say is let's watch the stocks. They're trading great. I'm going to raise my stops. We have profits everywhere. We'll raise our stops. If we stops get hit, we go to cash. And energy's coming down, setting up a bottom, and we'll buy the next swing. Okay? So pipelines, I'm not selling. I'm going to keep collecting that yield and let them do whatever they want. Um, Exxon, I probably don't sell. I got a 5.5% yield there. It's part of my dividend portfolio. But the EMP stocks and the drilling stocks, I'll take out of the portfolio if we have to. I think we're going to see a gap down on Monday. Would you be able to share the gamma levels on what will happen Monday? Um, Mr. Gooper, that's just not how I, how I work, really. Somebody accused me the other day of, of being a guru. I say accused me because I don't, I don't view myself that way. I'm, I'm not a guru. I don't predict what the market's going to do next. I try to share with you information that can protect capital and capture upside. And I try to educate you on how to execute. The worst thing I can start doing is predicting what the market's going to do next because the ego gets in the way. Even when I get it right, okay, even when I get it right, that's doubly dangerous because then I start to believe I'm a guru. I know what's going to happen in the market. I don't know what's going to happen in the market. The best way to start improving your investing performance is to admit you don't know what's going to happen in the market. And what you want to do is create a strategy where you get yourself in a position correctly each time where rewards worth risk and the probabilities are at their highest. Guessing what the market will do Monday, I don't know. I would suggest become a subscriber, join us on the desk, and as it's unfolding, we're going to execute. I can see the market gapping up Monday. In bear markets, the market is usually up Monday and Tuesday. And then Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is the selling. In bull markets, you usually get a down Monday, turnaround Tuesday, rally the rest of the week. So honestly, if the market were to gap down Monday morning, I'd be looking long. Market gaps up Monday morning, I'm going to be looking short because that's the paw print of a bear market. You know, I said someone accused me of being a guru. Guys, I'm sharing what I do with my personal capital every day because I enjoy sharing the process. I like working with you guys. You guys bring a lot to the table to make me a better investor and trader. But at the end of the day, I run my own capital. I don't have to do this. I don't have to run the armor report. I'm not out there doing PR and trying to market and doing all these things because what I really do is run my own money. 
Drama Report's fun, and I like working with you guys. Someone asked me, why don't I do it for free? Why don't I do it for free? I don't do it for free because I'm trying to work with people who are invested in their own success. And so there's a subscription. I want people who are willing to invest in their own success because they're going to work hard with me to learn the process and bring to the table their own information. And together as a community, we're an army of analysts followed by a tank division of algorithms that I share with you. And that's how we build alpha. So that's a long-winded answer to your question of, of what the market's going to do Monday. And the gamma levels I use are spot gammas. I don't create my own gamma. I think spot gamma is a wonderful service. It makes it easy to understand. Those are the levels we put on first thing in the morning. We'll put on whatever spot gamma levels there are, put it on our charts, and look for the reversal trades at the locations. That was a great Friday, Lena. Lots of fun. Glad to do it with you. Um, Eli Lilly, I love this chart. You know, it's, it's, I've been watching Lilly, wanting to get into Lilly, and I wouldn't pay up for it, wouldn't pay. So now it's down to the 200-day moving average. So maybe Lilly, maybe Bristol-Myers. These are stocks with yields that start to get interesting. Shippers, Ares has been all over these shippers, man. I, I wish I was with on a, you know, on it with him. I'm just Zim. He's been 100% right on Zim. Ares, for those of you who don't know, is an Armor Insider, one of the original, actually, an Armor original. Um, I think one of the top. I think I think Ares was number two, the second Armor subscriber. <laughs> um, so these things are just skyrocketing, and I don't. Yeah, I think GNK looks like it should go, right? Eagle Bulk looks good. These all look good. And so you could definitely work. I mean, um, this is another era's idea right here that just blew out. He, he nailed this perfect for us. On the Armor Trading Desk, he's like, guys, got to look at Danos. Got to look at Danos. I mean, right here. So um, it looks like there's a move coming in shippers. I, I think personally uh, my – own experience investing in shipping stocks over the years has clouded my judgment this time around. I'm just being honest with you. So there's just so much money I have to invest and there's just so many stocks I can buy and, and groups that I'm comfortable with. And I'm just never, I'm just not comfortable with shipping. So it's a, it's a big mistake because this is a different market and we have a completely different situation. So I should have been more active in shipping and I just, just, I just let them go. And maybe I can catch up because you're showing me some great charts, Brian. Those are some really good charts, the Eagle, the SBLK, the GNK. So if I can free up some cash, like right now I'm fully invested. I'm carrying 30% cash. I won't put that to work. I use that to day trade. So I'd have to sell something else to get into shipping. And I'm just not doing that yet. Um, juice and coffee are all over the place. Is there any way to get exposure to some of these? Um, I think that um, probably DBA, I keep talking about it. I keep looking at it. I, I, I never buy it. I don't know why. I, I, need to, I need to own DBA. I mean, I can get, just get all the agricultural commodities in this ETF, and I'd be making money in it. Had I done it when I first started talking about it, which is like somewhere in here with you guys, somewhere right here, and it just keeps going up. 
So that's one way to do it. Oh, you know what also? Um, I can't believe I missed the CME. I mean, this was the no-brainer way to play a commodity move. So I'm just sick about this. This is a perfect reverse head and shoulder with a great breakout on the commodity exchange, CME. This is a no-brainer, but it's on my whiteboard now, and I'm looking for entry points. CME, how about ICE? ICE, Intercontinental Exchange, right? I'm looking at these guys for an entry point. I think I answered that, Deb, but um, Unity and, and Roblox are my top two, not top two names. I think if we can't make money in Unity and Roblox, we can't make money in, in, in Metaverse. So I'm, gonna, I'm looking for entries in Unity and Roblox. Those will be the two first stocks that I buy. Or oh, I think somebody asked me about Airbnb. God, we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. Really. Look, Airbnb is putting in a decent, you know, maybe bottom in here, but there's just nothing for me to own right now in Airbnb. Yeah, right. So chemicals go up, and we own shares of Dow in our um, in our in our portfolio. Um, geez, Brian, I don't I, I don't have a lot of I have to do some work. You're an Armor Insider, so let's talk about it in the Slack room next week and see if we can find some other some other chemical stocks to own. Dow's my favorite, but there's some other names out there. I think a fertilizer is another way to play a commodity move, and I'm looking at. Uh, Intrepid potash. That's my favorite way to do it. And that pattern's starting to look interesting, so I might get some of that. Dennis, thanks so much. I appreciate that. I gotta wrap up here. I'm just gonna try to go through that. Yeah, yeah. How did you know that, Lena? Did we talk about it already? That's right. It was Vans and and um how did you know that? Maybe we talked about it already. because um, you're a subscriber too, so maybe we talked about it in the in the Slack room. But it's, yeah, it's Vans and, uh, and Converse. And my son's asking me about Vans. He never knew what Vans and Converse were. Now he wants to know. There's Roblox advertising for you. Oh, God, it's brilliant. Great, great. Um, Dutch Brothers. I'll, t- I'll keep my eye on that one. Thanks for that. C-P-R-I. Capri Holdings, all right. I'll, I'll take a look at that. Um, I'm not into the... Um, um, the uranium stocks right now. Denison is one of my favorites. Denison, I like NXE. Um, I like you, 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 you. This is also a rare earth place, so that kind of interests me. But I really have a hard time investing in a commodity where 40% of the production comes out of Kazakhstan. I just have a very hard time with that. And a lot of these companies have mines that might be in Kazakhstan. I just, the risk is too large for me. So if I were to play uranium, I think I would have to go with the... um, Uranium itself, right? Because if there's a complete political breakdown in Kazakhstan, um, then the, the price of uranium should go through the roof. And that's the pattern that's most intriguing to me. This is a huge pennant on Sprott physical uranium. So I think if I want uranium, it's going to be the physical. 
All right, guys, this has been um, just tons of fun. I appreciate you spending time with me. I'm going to wrap it up here. Got to get to my sister's birthday. Um, so um, I'm going to go do that. You guys have a great Sunday. Look forward to seeing all of you uh, Monday morning, 845 for the morning meeting. And that's um, that's true for Armor Insiders. And then what I like to do is um, for Armor subscribers, and I'll just show you where you can do that. All Armor subscribers have access to the morning meeting. So Armor Insiders are part of the meeting as it's happening, and I make sure to email it to everybody who's part of our free email list, right? Armor Actions Alerts. They're free. Just sign up for it, and what I'll do is after we have our morning meeting, I'll get that out to you in that email so you can watch what we've talked about before the market opens at 9.30. So consider if you're not a subscriber, boom, go ahead and subscribe at the very least for that free version, and over time you get used to what we're doing, Perhaps you want to join us on the desk. Ha! Ha! Lena! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. You know it's Vans because your daughter is in both into both Converse and Vans because of Roblox. It's amazing. You see at the power of Roblox. Holy smokes, guys, the power of Roblox. We're, we're going to make a lot of money in that stock, you and, you and I, Lena. We just have to catch it right. Put that trade on and ride it for all it's worth. Let's end on that note, everybody. Have a great Sunday. Take care.